Hey, people of the sea, thanks for joining us for a Saturday release, Saturday edition of the Always Be Boat Cruise Cast show. Not that you guys give a crap at all what day this stuff comes out, but we try to get it out to you on Tuesdays, as we alluded to before. The New York trip threw that off a little bit, should be back to normal soon. Anyway, this week's show, we're going to have some cruise news, which involves Queen Mary 2, also involves Carnival's first trip ever to Cuba, and... The Celebrity Edge, Celebrity's new build for 2018. And the topic, the main topic for the show this week is going to be Cruise Lines Secrets at Sea. And as always, we will have your emails. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Listening to the Always Be Booked Caribbean Cruise and Orlando Vacation Cruise Cast with your host, Tommy Casabona. All aboard and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Always Be Booked Cruise Cast show coming to you not quite live from Orlando, Florida. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to find, download, and listen to the show as we cover anything and everything relating to cruising. Usual at the top will be real quick Instagram, Always Be Booked. Same thing for Facebook and the new all-new Twitter account, Always Be Booked. Please follow me. Also, email me questions, comments, concerns, corrections, anything you guys want to bring up, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. We are trying to create, we are not trying to create, we have created another segment at the end of the show, which has been pretty consistent since you guys have stepped up with the emails. Please keep them coming. I will read your email on the air. But you got to get in now because they're growing every week. Right now, I still have a manageable amount so I can read all of them. But, you know, obviously when uh, you know, it gets to a certain level. I'm not going to be able to read them all. Then what we'll probably do at that point is just do like maybe a second show during the week of just emails. I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I'm not there yet. And, uh, you know, let's take it easy. Calm down. Keep it in perspective. All right. What's going on with you guys this weekend? Oh, also iTunes Stitcher. Uh, please continue to listen, but also subscribe. That's more important. And the most important thing you can do, the biggest thing you can do to help out the show if you do like it. Please review it and share with one of your friends. What's going on with you guys? Happy 4th of July weekend to those of you listening within the 50 states. I guess this is the 4th of July weekend. Since 4th of July is on a Tuesday, it's a little bit in that no man's land type of situation. You guys got any plans? Hopefully you have a good time. Hopefully everybody's safe. I know the New York trip I took threw me off track a little bit. It's not good. I got to clean that up. But this will be the podcast for this week, the one that would normally become uh, coming out on Tuesday. And then next week, what we'll do is be back to normal and we'll ideally stick to as much of that normal Tuesday release schedule as possible. Uh, it's been wacky. Had a couple of days here and there that are uh, uh, not necessarily exactly where we said they'd come out. But I don't think we missed a week. We're still uh, on par one a week. Have to make those final payments for my back-to-back cruise, man. I'm ready. Uh, the Carnival Victory on September 25th, which is a four-day out of Miami, and then I back that up with the Norwegian Escape, which is a seven-day uh, on September 30th. This is uh, cruising to a level which I have not cruised before. A back-to-back, and that is a total of uh, seven, it's twelve, seven, eight, nine, 10, eleven days at sea with a middle one in Miami, so twelve days away. The guest list so far is Chris and Stu, my buddies, as you guys know, we went on that uh, Sam Hunt cruise with, and I think the lovely Miss Kay is joining us as well. Stu and me got an inside cabin, Chris got a studio, and I think Kay is getting a studio as well. I don't know, don't ask, I don't know, what. I don't know, we'll see what happens, but I was thinking I really 
don't think I will ever get a balcony again. You know, we talked about this a lot. We've, we, we've mentioned how important a balcony is to you, and I get it. You know, you want to be a real deal cruiser, and if you're a big shot, you know, you want that balcony or you want that suite. But the truth is, for me, I just don't really think I need the balcony anymore. I don't know. It's a couple of hundred bucks. It's not a big deal. If there is a good deal on it, it's a steal. I'll take it. But at the same time, there's really nothing that I miss. I, I probably would much rather take that couple of hundred dollars and put it on uh, put it on blackjack. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. To each his own. Everybody, uh, everybody has a different feeling on that. Some people really, really want the balcony. They live for that morning coffee out on the balcony. But uh, for me, it's just not so, so, so important. All right, we'll give a big shout-out to uh, CruiseRadio.net with Doug Parker. I say it over and over again, the godfather of Cruise Talk, and that's the podcast you should start with. I'm going to continue to say this. If you haven't listened to that show and you're hearing this one, turn it off and immediately listen to that one first. It's a weekly show. It comes out on Thursdays. It's a half hour, and it flies by. And for only being a 30-minute show, I'm going to be honest with you, you feel like you got two hours worth of information. And... If you listen to his last episode, you're going to hear a cameo from your boy. That's right. We get on and we talk about the Carnival Loyalty Program since they seem to be considering some revisions. And I think some well-intended revisions. I think it makes a lot of sense. But uh, myself and Doug and one of his writers, Richard, uh, go do a little back and forth on the last episode of CruiseRadio.net. So check that out. All right. So to keep you guys in the loop, I've had two days of all-out war with my Easy Breathe Snorkel Mask. You guys have seen those, right? They're the new wave of snorkel masks that cover your whole face and is basically like a one-piece with the breathing tube all in one. It's a great invention. It looks cool, and it looks like it's going to take the activity of snorkeling to another level. You get a full view, almost like a full 180-degree view without any obstructions. We have this back-to-back cruise coming up in a couple of months, as I always talk about, and I haven't snorkeled in a while, and I figured I'd make the investment. So this thing comes in the mail, and it really does look like something out of Star Wars. Shout out to Cruise Tips TV. I posted a picture of it on my Instagram and Sherry called it a Darth Cruiser mask, which is pretty funny and pretty accurate. It looks, it does look a lot like that. Uh, so I decided to hit the pool and at my apartment complex and maybe take it for a spin. I put this thing on. I go underwater and ladies and gentlemen, I almost drowned in three feet of water. I try it like three more times, and it just keeps filling up with water. There is a vent right near where the mouth is, and I was like, there must be something wrong. I have no idea what I'm doing wrong, but I put this mask on. I go into water, and it fills up with water. And why does it fill up water? Because there's a freaking hole in it right where the mouth is. So I'm just assuming that I'm doing something wrong. I go back inside. Uh, I watch a bunch of YouTube videos on it, and I find absolutely nothing. Nothing says I'm having this problem. And nothing says that you got to do some more assembly. So like, I'm just like thinking, all right, I'm in my own head. I did something wrong. I got to tilt my head a different way, or I got to put it on a different way. I got to go in there because they did allude to the fact that there is a vent in the mask, but they say it's for water draining. In case water drains in, then the water can easily drain out. Okay, but what about when you go underwater and there's a hole in the freaking mask and it fills up with water? Uh, I have not cracked this dilemma yet. If anybody knows about the Easy Breathe Snorkel and why it is just filling up with water, I've been looking. I contacted the company. I'm anxiously awaiting their response, but uh, I have no idea. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping we resolve that because I went back the next day, tried it again, same damn thing, and I'm putting my life at risk in three feet of water every day by almost drowning from this damn snorkel mask that 
is probably and again I'm, I'm probably something stupid that I'm doing wrong or you know there's a there's a little piece to it that it came with but it didn't look like that's where it was supposed to go because it just looks like a replacement piece for some of the other again I'm not even gonna get into it because it's just hard to explain but I can't figure out this mask and I'm hoping I'm eventually able to do it but I am guessing you've heard enough about my snorkel mask horror stories let's get into some cruise news All right, let's start with Carnival. Carnival had a party in Tampa. That's right, a sail-away party to mark their inaugural trip from Port Tampa Bay to Havana aboard the Carnival Paradise. The Carnival Paradise, I think that was built sometime around when Castro first took over, wasn't it? Come on, at this point, it's tradition for me to tweak the fantasy class of ships a little bit. You guys have gotten used to that. It's only good fun. The event was a celebration of Cuban culture, music, cuisine, and libations. Those are drinks. Uh, it featured the world's largest Cuban sandwich at sea. Are you kidding me? The world's largest Cuban sandwich at sea. Didn't they do a guy's burger thing a couple of months ago with the largest burger at sea? Well, anyway, they also donated $25,000 to charity to uh, Tampa's Ybor City Museum Society. I don't know. If you look at it, you could look at it a few different ways. They donated $25,000 to charity, but I think they probably wasted about 25000 on ham, bread, pickles, and mustard for that Cuban sandwich. So it probably evened out either way. This is the first sailing of 12. There'll be four- and five-day trips. You're, if you're on one of the five-day trips, you'll get an added stop. It'll be in either Key West or Cozumel. That just depends on which sailing you, sh- you choose. Uh, we have a quote. Mr. Paul Anderson, president and CEO of Port Tampa Bay, added, We are extremely honored that Carnival has selected Port Tampa Bay to offer cruises to Havana, Cuba, and accept Excited for the travel community that this fantastic new destination is now available. Carnival's commitment to serving our market for nearly a quarter of a century is a testament to the strong support they receive from our community. And in return, the economic impact of their Tampa operation is substantial considering a single call from an average-sized cruise ship generates more than $350,000 in direct economic contribution to our community. Sounds like it's a party and it's a sail-away party and it's a Cuban sail-away party and every Everybody is happy. Moving on. Did you guys know that the Queen Mary 2 was involved in a race? We're going to put race in quotes there because the event is mostly ceremonial. It's part of what they called the Bridge 2017. The Queen Mary 2 is accompanying four trimarans. Uh, do you know what a trimaran is? It's sort of like a sailboat, but it has a middle hull. And it's, uh, I don't think it's designed to carry a ton of people, but it's almost like just like for tra- well, it's obviously for transportation. But either side of the hull are two stabilizer apparatuses that also sit in the water, and then a sail shoots up from that. I think there probably is an engine or a motor on some of them as well. Uh, I guess that's where they get the name, Try three pieces of the vessel actually sit in the water. Anyway, they are all crossing the Atlantic to commemorate a centennial anniversary of when the U.S. troops first landed on the coast of France in 1917. It's also a celebration of 100 years of friendship between the U.S. and France. Cunard is taking part in this historic celebration by sailing Queen Mary II from St. Nazar, France, where the ship was originally built, to her home port in Brooklyn, New York. They are currently somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic and set to arrive on July 1st. We are honored to be a part of the Bridge 2017, said Josh Leibowitz. He is the Senior Vice President for Cunard North America. Uh, He continues, 
Cunard, with its 177-year history, has been recognized for its role in World War I, and we are privileged to be an important part of this historic event which celebrates the Franco-American relations and their shared pastime of sailing. Let's move on. Celebrity Edge, this ridiculously elegant new build from, you guessed it, Celebrity, released or teased, you might say, with some details and pictures of a concept within its ship called Eden. Eden is a multi-level culinary and entertainment space. You can tell where they came up with the name, Celebrity, which happens to be the innovator of all things green and growing at sea. You guys know they're, uh, they're famous for their lawn clubs. Uh, they made Eden sort of a garden-themed concept, as you might imagine. They are branding it as a room that lives. It's almost like a greenhouse. It will stretch three levels, and the servers in the venue uh, and just employees, crew members in the venue will be dubbed Edenists. That's right. I don't know how uh, effective or good that will be for the resume in the future, but we're going to go with it. we got the Edenists, and they will be responsible for providing guests with an amazing experience all day long. Starting with the morning, Eden will be a chillful escape where yoga, a good book or coffee, and a croissant can be enjoyed with expansive views of the world. And then in the afternoon, it loosens up a little bit, and there's some little bit more action. There's food, wine, some seminars, classes, things like that. They'll also have some performances from sitar players. You guys need those sitar players, at sea, as well as some aerialists to watch. And then at night, apparently the place gets a little freaky with what they call Eve at Eden. They keep using the word sinful to describe the nightlife, which is, I guess, uh, some sort of a performance art show that you watch. Uh, as far as the food, the quote is, Edenists will serve a choreographed series of experiential culinary temptations sure to surprise and delight. Now, you don't take yourself too seriously, do you? Apparently, we found the part of the ship where the eyes wide shut parties go down as well. Following dinner, our guests will head back upstairs past the Tree of Life. Here, the Library of Plants towers 18 feet above the Eden Bar, offering its bounty of fresh ingredients and garnishes for the handcrafted artisanal cocktails. When creating Eden, my goal was to create a connection to the sea in a space that will stir imaginations and leave lasting memories of the travel experience, said Scott Butler, AIA founding partner, Wilson Butler Architects. Forgive me, I don't know. I know I'm an asshole, but geez, this guy acts like he just dug out the Panama Canal. Bro, I'm sure it's really, really nice, but uh, you put trees on a cruise ship, added a sitar, and you know, we got we to gotta just keep a little bit of perspective. I'm sure it's a beautiful room, but let's not turn it into a religious experience, please. All right, so that's it for the cruise news. A little bit of a slow news week this week, and right about now, we will get into the main topic for the show, which is Cruise Line Secrets at Sea. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, the secrets of cruisings. Let's start it out with a little intro. Cruise ships are floating cities, and each city, in general, has a living, breathing society within it. That's pretty much the definition. That's one of the things that defines a city, right? Uh, when 1,000 or more people end up on the same ship together to live, eat, sleep, and work, lots of things happen. It's truly a unique way to live your life. So you would say as a result, 
you'd imagine that there would be some interesting and noteworthy observations that would come from such a way of life. As passengers, we see what we're supposed to see. You know what I mean, right? You know, we we get to see the smiling faces. They come and go. They just look like people that are just there that are pretty much basically there to kind of make sure that we're having a good time, right? But clearly there is way, way more going on below deck when crew members are off work and their guard is down. I would say anyone in customer service can probably attest to the fact that you have your outwork persona, which is to your guests. It's usually friendly but formal, accommodating, professional. But then, like I said, when you let your guard down, it's probably a, almost a whole different persona. And that's understandable. To monitor the work-life atmosphere, the powers that be that are on cruise ships are clearly going to have to be responsible for creating some sort of rules, some, I guess, policies, uh, not only for their day-to-day work responsibilities, but also for the society that's living together as a whole as well. I mean, you have up to 100 different nationalities working together under a flag from some country where who knows what the legalities are, and you also have maritime law. So, This can create quite a hodgepodge of social interaction between the people that are, let's just call it that society, the cruise ship crew, the people who are living amongst that society. So I wanted to dive in and cover some of the stuff that goes on on cruise ships that we don't necessarily see every day. Now, keep in mind, I did a lot of research for this, uh, some news articles. I did some interviews with some people. Uh, Some were just blogs. I have some friends. I made some friends over over the years that are in cruising and they through direct relationships with people on ships or people who have been entertainers on ships. I talked to a lot of them. I am packaging all the info that I collected into just this podcast and I'm going to put it back out to you. If there are any inaccuracies or exaggerations, it's because someone who I spoke to or someone who I asked the direct question to or someone who posted a blog somewhere, they were inaccurate or exaggerating. But I will say that most of it was corroborated and I did kind of, if I heard something that sounded crazy, I did recheck it and it did pretty much check out. You know what I'm saying? It's just a topic that I find fascinating. I don't know. Do you? When you see that nice Filipino guy or or young lady making you the perfect frozen cocktail, uh, do you ever wonder what they do? When they get off work, do you ever wonder, do they get off work? Well, I looked into it, and here are some of the things that go on on a cruise ship that most people don't know about. Oh, hold on one second. One more disclaimer. Also, sorry in advance, I know lots of times the cruise community is a somewhat conservative community when it comes to subject matter. Uh, But I've told you over and over again, I don't veer away from topics that might seem a little risque to most uh, or some. Uh, If you don't like some of the stuff you hear, I would just say skip forward a little bit. And if it gets a little too crazy, maybe even just turn it off and wait for the next episode. When I kind of came on and brought this show to you from the beginning, I said, you know what? I was going to be politically incorrect. I was going to kind of handle and go into topics that you don't necessarily see on a lot of the cruise shows or the cruise, I guess, content that you see. I don't think I really even have. I did that Swingers episode with Mike, and every once in a while you get a wacky story, but I don't really... This is going to be one of those shows where we do delve into some topics that, eh, you know what, if you are a little bit conservative as far as where your content is, this might be so. Again, I apologize in advance for that, and if this is not your particular show, maybe this is not your show. 
All right, so let's get into it. We're going to start out with just the crew members having double lives. In many cases, we found out that crew members on board have a their life that's on the ship and their persona and their, I guess, avatar, image, whatever you want to call it, that's on the ship. And a lot of cases, that is completely in a different direction and a different situation than what they are off the ship. In some cases, they are married with children when they're at home, but literally completely single and mingle and uh, ready to go when they're at sea. Uh, in many cases, this is a practice that's understood by the significant other who's not at sea, uh, if you can believe that or not. Almost like an understanding that when one is at sea, it's a completely different set of rules. They're out there. They got to do what they do, do to get uh, survive emotionally or whatever it is. And as long as you're faithful and did the right thing when you're at home and you're on, you know, you're not at sea, it was all good. Some ways it's like a professional athlete or a rock star. It's like, you know, how many, if you're married to <laughs> lead singer of Motley Crue or, you know, Guns N' Roses, AC, whoever they are, I mean, really, are you really at home without the understanding that some crazy stuff might go on? Of course, there's exceptions, but for the most part, you're naive if you don't think that's a possibility. Now, I think, I don't think it's the same thing. Well, it's, I, I know it's not the same thing if for people who are on just, cruise on cruise ships but believe it or not that stuff does exist and those understandings are there i can hear across the board from you guys at home a collective oh hell no from people who absolutely wouldn't put up with that type of thing but it does happen and those arrangements do exist uh, in one instance i heard someone say that they knew of a guy who was straight and in a committed relationship on land uh, but was completely out of the closet gay while he was working at sea. And he was known as just someone who, it was common knowledge by the entire crew that this guy was gay. He was, pr- he was proud and he was out of the closet completely at sea, but at home he was in a relationship and, uh, you know, completely obviously in the closet at home. So interesting stuff. They do say here and there that there is a little bit of a double life type of thing going on from crew members when they're at sea versus when they're at home. Speaking of rock stars, I can attest to certain industries taking part of a level. I'm going to talk about the partying aspect right now, and I can kind of give you a little bit of inside information regarding that. I can attest to certain industries taking part in a level of partying that many of you daywalkers probably couldn't even wrap your head around. Yeah, daywalkers is a uh, term that <laughs> we use in re- uh, restaurant, nightclub industry, the people of the night. We work kind of like overnights and stuff like that, and we're you know just in a wacky, wild environment for most of the time. And you know if you have a regular job, a day job, people come in, we just call you guys daywalkers, which is, you know, <laughs> reality is it's a compliment. You have a normal job. so uh, But that's just what we kind of, the term we use for you guys. Oh, did you see her? Oh, is he going out? Who, who's she dating now? Oh, she found, she met some daywalker and she's married to the, she's uh, in a relationship with the daywalker. It's just kind of how we talk. Uh, me personally, I still dabble a little bit here and there in the whole kind of rock star partying mentality, but I was a little past the game now. You know, when I was in the game, coming up as a bartender, bar manager, I mean, it was, I'm not going to lie to you guys, it was out of control. Midtown Manhattan, and it's not just Midtown Manhattan, it's anywhere, South Florida, wherever. You start Thursday, you walk into work on a Thursday, you see who you're working with. You see, look behind the bar, look at the service, your eyes collectively light up. We all do our first shot. Excuse me, I'm sorry. We all do our first shot with the DJ at around 7 o'clock, and then... It's just an all-out just debauchery till 4 a.m. 
4 a.m. comes, we close, we start making a drink after work. It takes about an hour, hour and a half to close sometimes. You got to clean up, you got to count your money, all that stuff. And then we'll hit the diner. The diner will be till about 8 a.m., broad daylight, walking out, go home, go to sleep. And then it's Friday. You do the whole thing all over again through the weekend. Uh, Saturday night, same thing. 8 a.m., you come home Sunday morning, grab a couple hours of sleep, then you're waking up, you're at, then you get together with everybody again, you go to the beach or a ball game, amusement park, street fairs, anything that's going on around. Uh, if it's Sunday during football season, you're hitting up uh, some bar to watch football games. And uh, the reality is that's just how it is for the 20s and the 30-somethings. I can remember those days and having the time of my life and thinking at certain times, I was like, damn, there's no way this is the normal way to live. But I mean, how could you? It was, it was just the job. This was the lifestyle. And this is why... I am not, I mean, I'm not on that level anymore per se, but the beast does come out every once in a while and typically when I'm on a cruise ship, but this is why I'm kind of understanding and believing in how these people live at sea. Now, realistically speaking, many crew members are absolute drunks. Supposedly, the crew members make a frat house look like a convent. Uh, the drinks down there are between a dollar, dollar twenty-five, dollar fifty, and these people end up being professional boozers. Knowing what I know about the way we lived, if you took those same personalities, the way we were coming up, and put them at sea, you're setting up a training ground for some of the most elite level of partying you could ever imagine. The trade-off, that's it's what it is. It's the trade-off of having to work these ungodly hours under these ungodly conditions, uh, seven days a week. And a lot of times the officers and the powers that be who are in charge look uh, look the other way because they know they are borderline they're borderline putting you up as an indentured servant for the hours that you do and the little money that you make. And if they can get away with paying you so little and then all they got to do is look the other way while you're aggressively seeking out some R&R, then that's a, that's a, that's a trade-off for them. It's, it's fine. Nobody's driving. You're not going to be put on the road and stuff like that. So you're at sea. There's the danger, the dangers are not so bad. And as, as, as for you, as a passenger on the ship, not being able to recognize it, understand also, I can tell you, these people are pros. I can relate once again. You get really, really good at dumping a half a gallon of booze down your throat at night and then being able to recover. Many of them are still smiling at you, but believe me, there is a lot of bottled water, ibuprofen, and a world of pain behind that smile when you're seeing them and they're making you their drinks on the boat. Of course there are exceptions. I'm not going to sit here and say that we're talking about everybody. This doesn't apply to the entire crew, but you better believe it does to a damn good percentage of them on every single ship. Um, in the spirit of cruise lines paying very little in exchange for you uh, for looking the other way and allowing certain lifestyles to exist, there's... <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to tell you this too. Here's where it gets weird. There's a freaking sex party going on down there. You would not believe what is happening. This is real. Many of them settle down and they start relationships. Eventually, they end up together. Uh, they'll be on the same ship. And I have to say that the cruise lines from the from the investigating I've done, uh, they seem to be pretty good at that. Uh, knowing it's a tough line of work and any benefits they can give you where they don't have to directly give you money for, they, they look at it as an advantage. So uh, when a couple does get married, which is often inevitable when you're spending so much time together at sea, the cruise lines 100% will. I mean, they're not going to sit there and tell you they're going to guarantee this, but they will do their best to put married couples uh, on the same ship. And that's a great story when that happens. But yeah, there are some rampant, rampant sex parties going on down there. And I'm not saying like orgies or anything like that. I'm 
just saying there's a group of people that are just it's their talent pool that they have to dive delve into there's alcohol for a dollar a piece a dollar a drink down there or maybe the beers are like a dollar maybe the mixed drinks are as high as two dollars i don't know but what do you think is going to happen we were on a ship one time and i'm not gonna say who or what ship or when but it was i don't want to get anybody in trouble not that they will or not that anybody's listening to this that could get anybody in trouble but i'm gonna give you a story that i saw like me and my friend sony you know that was the cruise that we went on the st thomas one we almost didn't make well one of the ones we didn't make it back on the ship but we're cruising and we are uh a big fan. We were a big fan of this particular roving mainstream band that was on this ship. You guys know the band that I'm talking about. On every ship, there's pretty much a band that can play everything from uh, Run DMC all the way up to uh, you know Adele. You know, so they can do it all. And it was a guy singer, a girl singer, and then a full three or four or five piece band, whatever it was. We made friends with the female singer. We just were really, really uh, impressed with this band, and you know, we kind of, I guess, we kind of. We're like her groupies or whatever. So we loved her. She loved us. We would always kind of, she would find us after the show and uh, she'd have a drink with us. And on the last night, she actually had a few drinks with us. She found us after the show. And I know you're not, probably, I don't know what the rule is. Are you supposed, are they supposed to drink with you? I can tell you right now that um, it sounds crazy, but completely frowned upon. But many of the ships I've seen firsthand that the entertainment staff very often has a different set of rules, whether they have technically the same set of rules and it's just a matter of which rules are enforced or not like i told you that story about the uh, carnival sunshine when the piano uh, lady at the piano bar was literally pounding drinks left and right she was i don't know know if she was like everybody seemed to know who she was she seemed to be sort of a legend and then we were in that piano bar she was absolutely hysterical and talented a great singer and she kept that room full all the time so i don't know if they let it go for her and they let it go for certain people but most of her short. So she had a couple of drinks with us, and she seemed like a really, really nice woman, beautiful, nice Filipino woman, very, very sweet, really, really cool. She got in a few drinks. Uh, she got a few drinks in her, and she started to tell us about her family on land and how much she misses her husband. And she got almost like a little emotional about it, and she was telling us about her kids and, you know, counting the days to when, you know, she could next see her husband and her kids and this and that. And we were kind of moved. We felt really, really bad for her being away from this family for that long. And then a few more drinks happened, (laughs) and then she decided to take us for a walk. Uh, We did. We walked around the ship, and we did a flyby past the casino so that she could show us the blackjack dealer that she was banging downstairs. You can't. I'm not making this up. This is hysterical. This is what happened, and we were kind of shocked. But then we were also like, "All right, you know, I guess it is tough. You're at sea. You're away from people. It's home. I don't want to compare it to prison, but in a certain way." You could see where these people are uh, are not. And again, I could hear the collective, oh, hell no. But again, let's see Let's see what happens. Let's see if you're away at seven months at a time if you don't have a, du- a double life. Let's see if you sell five million records and you have access to whatever. You don't see if you, uh, you know, this, it takes a certain type of understanding. And it, that type of stuff does exist. Uh, I read somewhere that it is so commonplace and so understood that all this sex is going on that below deck you'll walk around and you'll see pamphlets and posters about STD awareness everywhere you look. Listen, at the end of the day, I am not speaking up for this type of behavior. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating the fact that, you know what, let's just, you know, be <laughs> let's cheat on everybody. And this and that. I'm not I would be just like you guys. I'm at home and my girlfriend or wife is at sea. Hell no, I'm not going to be understanding of some 
crazy policy where, you know what, oh, double life, when at sea, what happens at sea stays at sea. Hell no, that's not happening. But uh, it does exist, and I'm just saying I'm not advocating it, but I will say I'm not going to judge people whose shoes I have not walked in. You know, like I said, they if you ever saw Jersey Boys, they say, oh, you know, I had a family. I did this, I did that, I abandoned them, I walked out, and the guy ends his little soliloquy by saying, you sell 10 million records. Let's see how you handle it. You know, this is not selling records or anything like that, but it is a unique lifestyle that you or I or most people probably don't know what it's like. So, again, before I just start, you know, completely judging these people and what they're doing, I guess uh, I'm going to reserve that judgment for a little while. All right, so moving on. So fraternizations with guests, that's a whole different story. Uh, that's probably the biggest no-no in the world for any crew member, I mean this side of murder. Uh, main reason for this is liability, of course. If a guest is overly intoxicated or unstable in any way, I guess at the end of the day there could be a question as to whether or not this sexual activity was consensual at all. And the best way to deal with that is to disallow it completely. You have to draw the line somewhere, I guess. So absolutely, under no circumstances, that is an immediate, non-negotiable, fireable, terminatable offense. You are not allowed to uh, have like contact like that with guests whatsoever. Also, it's just inappropriate. I mean, that's unprofessional in general, right? You're on a cruise ship. You want to bring your girl on a cruise ship. Then you find out, you know, Jerry, the atrium guitar player, has his way with her on day four while you thought that she was getting a hot rock massage. No, not an ideal cruise. Uh, actually, this is funny. A guitar guy actually hit on my sister once during a cruise. It was me, my buddy Nick, and her boyfriend, uh, whose name is Dave. We're all in the atrium, and we're at you know at a table at the atrium, and uh, my sister goes up to get around. And the guitar guy was off. I guess he was on an intermission or whatever. And he went over to her. And no big deal. He just walked over. And we're just sitting at the table. We're just watching this. And they spoke for about five minutes. And he must have gotten the hint and just walked away. So she comes back with the drinks. And she's laughing. And she told us a story that he was just like kind of being, oh, so where are you from? You know, you have a boyfriend. You know, what is this? Kind of just being a little bit pushy with her. And uh, nothing too inappropriate, but hitting on her a little bit. And uh, he walked away, and then she took the drinks, and she was just kind of like ignoring him or whatever. And she told him, I'm on the cruise with my boyfriend. He's right over there, this and that, and my brother. And he got the hint and walked away. And the funniest part of that story is that she said the bartender uh, basically apologized for him. (laughs) The guy walked away. She gave him the drinks. The bartender looked at my sister, rolled her eyes, and said, so sorry. This guy always, he talked too much. (laughs) Don't don't ask me what accent that was because I don't know. But she spoke in an accent. And she's like, "So sorry, this guy always he talked too much." So we got to kick it out of it. Clearly, that was a uh, a little bit of a, a a guy on a cruise ship, an entertainer. And we said that before. They get a little bit of more leeway, but he was clearly uh, being a, very friendly to to my sister. And uh, it apparent from the reaction from the bartender that that was something he did on a regular basis. Anyway, even though that it is frowned upon for the crew to hit on or have any sexual interaction with the guests, it does happen. Uh, The crew, (laughs) they have their spots. And if it's on with a particular guest, they know where to go and they know where to be out of the view of the cameras. They actually share with each other knowledge like they'll find spots that they know where there's no cameras and they'll be like, yo – I found the new spot. Oh, this is another great spot. It's almost like we share cruise tips, you know, with each other, like, you know, what to pack on a cruise or, you know, the best way to spend an excursion. They have, they probably have like a message board with each other. Uh, Deck four, aft, uh, starboard, 
no camera section, comfortable area. You can bring uh, you can bring people there. And this is the funniest thing about the whole situation. What they do, they have a term for it. When they're hooking up with a guest of the cruise ship, they call it coning. They'll actually use the term in a sentence casually, like, oh, that assistant cruise director or that uh, so-and-so, that, that deckhand, you know. Yeah, he got fired for coning. Uh, he, co- he coned the guest. How hysterical is that that they call us cones? I don't know if you guys know this or not, but they call us cones, and the reason they call us cones is even more funny than the fact that we actually have a name. They call us cones because that's short for a term like a street cone. Like if you're driving on the highway and part of the road is coned off, like that gets in your way. Like you have to go around it. You almost have to do a detour. They call us cones, and it's two main reasons. First reason is because they have to just completely get out of the way from us because of we don't have our sea legs yet per se and we don't know how to walk around the ship that's moving around so like they'll see us and they'll have to dodge us because we're sort of like falling uh and the other way is just a general distraction like we'll be a cone like if if they're trying to get somewhere like they have a bunch of ice and they're trying to bring it to a bar or if they have towels trying to bring it to a room or if they have room service food and we just have stupid questions that we hit them with we're looked at as like Okay, the uh, the the annoying cone is in the way. Like we're a cone in the way from them from them getting to where they want to go. Uh, it's hysterical. Um, cruise employees will mess with get, guests' head. Like here's we talked about this show before. De- below deck, right? It's I think it's Bravo, and that's just a little bit of a hint. That's a yacht, and you can see below deck, and you get a feel for how these people live on these yachts and just what they do and the whole show is about you know the struggles and the frustrations and the interactions and the relationships that go on believe me people below deck they're sleeping with each other you see it on the show right there and that's like five or six crew that's a five or six person crew think about a thousand people who are at sea not for one season but just all year round i mean can you imagine the mayhem and and then parties and sex that's going on so the one thing is, is like, I don't get, like, when they're filming below deck and, you know, you have these multi-millionaire people on, on, on board and they're obviously, when you're those people, you're seeing the one side of the crew that's the nice, the smile, the, uh, the, the, like we talked about before, the good service, the friendliness. over, And then they show you on TV them cursing them out or making fun of them or complaining about them in any way. I don't get what happens when the show airs because these people are leaving ridiculous tips like at the end how the show is the format of the show is all right the captain calls everybody to the to the to the deck and everybody you know he he goes over how the charter went and he gives out distributes the tip the final tip so these people are shelling out a lot of money for the for the sailing and then they're shelling out all this money for the tip only to go home Maybe four months later, when the show actually comes out, you see how these people really felt about you. Do you are you ever going to sell that that you're going to charter that yacht again? No, it's crazy, right? But another thing is, the cruise employees will mess with uh, guests' heads, and this is kind of stupid, but you know. It is what it is. The cruise ship members will say things to each other, knowing that they are in earshot of a guest, and they'll be like, "Hey, later after work, I'll meet you in the bowling alley." And what that does is put some. It doesn't work on Norwegian because Norwegian really does have bowling alleys. But they will say like the the purpose of that is to piss the guest off so that they are like, oh my gosh, 
these people get bowling alleys? Why are there, or whatever other amenities that they'll come up with. They'll come up with whatever that there is that we won't have access to, and they'll kind of like almost like be rubbing, rubbing it in the guest's face. And it really doesn't exist. They're just saying it just for the sheer fun of watching all the comment cards come in talking about why don't we get a bowling alley as guests? Why don't we get this as guests? Again, very, very stupid. When you're spending months and months and months at sea at a time, I guess you become easily entertained in any any uh, little ways you could t- tweak people or just kind of give yourself some, uh, I guess, self-entertainment is you know something that they take advantage of it uh, of it as much as possible. All right, moving on. There is a distinct class system among crew members. Uh, the most this is most evident when it comes to eating. There are three levels when it comes to where you're going to eat on a cruise ship and you work for the, you're, you're a crew member. The officers eat in the officers' mess, which is mostly heads of departments as well as those who are responsible for in any way, shape, or form moving the ship or driving the ship. They have their own freshly made to order food items that come from an actual menu. Uh, There's also a staff mess, which comprises of the entertainment staff, a lot of the people who work in the offices, or middle management per se. They get to have a buffet-style setup. It's not the best food in the world, but it's fairly palatable. Uh, And then you have the crew mess, and that was just made up of mostly engine workers or people in just the lower janitorial positions. Uh, Unfortunately they get a significantly lower quality meal. Think of it like this, unfortunately. These cruise lines, they're all running a business, obviously. They get their provisions on board, and there are certain parts to, uh, you know, let's just call it, let's just call it, uh, protein that get delivered, you know, whether it's animals or whatever. Just Now, being in the restaurant business, I know that it's more cost-effective to buy in bulk or to buy as much of the animal as whole as possible. You fabricate it yourself. You're preparing it yourself. And that you put that on the cooks. This way, you're not necessarily having to uh, buy everything already prepared. And the ex- expenditure that's associated with that, whoever's selling it to you, the you know the the, the wholesaler would have to do that, and then they're going to charge you for that labor. So on the cruise ship, you're there anyway. You have the people, and they're working anyway. So you figure you buy it in bulk, buy large pieces, so we can on board fabricate it ourselves. I guess so. The cruise ship avoids that cost. And they want to save the money. What do they end up doing? A lot of those animal parts that would that are considered less desirable that you or I would probably discard. What they do is they cook it. You know what I mean? It is perfectly edible. You know, We're talking about things like you know, well, let's not say it, but like knuckles and stuff like that. And like you know, if you ever eat a hot dog, you don't even want to know what goes into a hot dog or you know things like head cheese and things like that. You eat a lot of times. We all eat in our everyday life uh, things we really wouldn't want to know what it is, but. This is what happens on the cruise ships, you know, the parts and pieces to the animal where they would normally discard and we, you know, they would not think of serving this to a guest, but it is not dangerous. It's perfectly edible, just not good in any way, shape or form, not tasty, not delicious. And they put that in the crew mess. And uh, you know what I'm saying? In a profit-conscious world, uh, cruise ships focusing as much on profit as possible, they're not throwing anything away. Um, Not a pleasant story, but nonetheless, it does exist. And then other than that, you know, I've heard stories where there's just – you'll walk into the crew mess at some points. There'll just be a a couple of boxes of cereal. Just, you know, it's not ideal. It's not an ideal situation. But again, uh, cruise ships – operate under the law of the flag in which they are flagged. And the whole purpose of why they flag themselves under that nation is so that they can do these cost-effective things. Again, 
not the pleasant or the fun side of cruising that we like to talk about. But, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not the type of guy that, you know, doesn't want to eat the steak and doesn't want to see how the, how it's slaughtered. You got you to gotta understand this stuff. And it's important not to be oblivious and walking around with your head in the clouds and not knowing that this stuff, it's not going to stop me from cruising. But I am going to give it a, give it a little bit of attention. And uh, I'm, it's something I'm going to, you know, keep in mind. You know what I'm saying? And I do keep that in mind. When it's time to, you know, we talk about tipping all the time. And, you know, those people who take the gratuities off the... Guys, hopefully these stories I'm telling you right now are are giving you reason to, well, now you may be like, you know, all this partying going on. I'm definitely taking the tip off. No, but like I said, that's part of it too. They're letting them do all this stuff so that they don't have to pay them a lot. They're not getting paid a lot of money. So just think about the stuff and what they're eating and the seven days a week and the conditions that they're living under when you go to remove that gratuity off of the off of uh, your, your sign-in sale card. All right, cruise ships, as you guys know, a lot of you guys know, but I will say it, a lot of people don't know, they do have a morgue, and people die more often than you think while at sea. About 200 per year, uh, and about 165 a year go missing. As we know, cruising is an industry that is growing and playing to a very much younger demographic each and every year. However, stereotypes are often stereotypes for a reason, right? The fact does remain that elderly people love to cruise. And when you have all these elderly people that do love to cruise and spending so much time and so much of their retirement money on cruising, it's only natural that you're going to have some people who do expire at sea. And the one thing is, is that people look at that. It's not a tragedy in many, many ways. If the cruise line is prepared for it, now they're not going to go out and publicize that this is happening, but you know, we all, we're all going to go. <laughs> if you're going to go doing something you love, how great is that? And it's looked at like that. Like people, when people die on cruise ships they and they're elderly and, you know, you know that if they're spending, if there's 365 days a year, they're cruising for half the year, chances are things are going to happen. So it's looked at as like a very, very comfortable death. And, yes, there is a morgue, and uh, that's, that's where they're kept. That's where they're kept. And, uh, all right, so we're going to move on uh, to another f- fun and positive topic here pirate attacks uh you know they don't necessarily happen uh you know rampantly but for any attack cruise line has to have a plan i told you about my theory about cruise ships in general right i feel like there's definitely got to be some sort of a over-the-top plan a mess a massive plan for all cruise ships i mean they're just too useful of a vehicle that if some on land doomsday theory uh, 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 scenario didn't happen that there is a plan for cruise ships and i feel like that's like a, a conspiracy secret that nobody talks about and uh, i wonder if it's true it's probably not it's probably just me in my own head well whatever uh so what happens on a pirate attack or any attack whatsoever? The first thing that the ship is going to try to do is to use the power of its engine to outrun it. If you could avoid this issue because of good old-fashioned horsepower, that is by far the best way to go. If that doesn't work, many of the ships have water cannons. There is also something at sea called uh, long-range acoustic devices that disable. If, if you're an attacker and you get in close enough range, you can be disabled with a loud, completely intense tolerable noise that literally vibrates and shakes your soul it's going to render you completely shocked and helpless and your attack will have been thwarted Uh, that last one is not really talked about too much and if i had to guess again continuing with the conspiracies here i bet there are other let's just say maybe more violent things that are not discussed 
and uh, you know that are designed to defend against pirate or any attacks of any kind. If you sit in on any talk given by a cruise director or a captain, they're always very, very clear that they will talk about anything under the sun except security. So who knows? You know, those pirates, it wasn't necessarily as much of a cruise ship thing as much as like a private kind of like, I guess, uh, transportation or shipping container type ships that they... These are the types of things that were mostly at risk from pirate attacks, and you don't hear about them as much anymore. If you watch some YouTube videos, uh, and you guys probably question how much you know, <laughs> what kind of YouTube webs are you get involved with? But you know, when you look up cruising and stuff at sea, some wacky stuff does come up. And I did see that you know you don't see the pirates as much anymore because what these private companies who have uh, you know who, who who ship things started doing and it's mostly off the coast of Africa and the Indian Ocean and stuff like that they started hiring former military uh, security companies to thwart these attacks which is interesting to me because there is literally one you could see on YouTube and it's relatively viral where uh, there was a, a pirate attack on its way uh, two boats were heading towards this particular shipping container ship and uh they they were prepared let's just say that and these guys just open fire you can hear warning shot and you couldn't even get the word warning shot the t of warning shot at the end of it wasn't even done before they just started spraying these ships and there's no way shape or form that these guys live they just ended the problem right away and clearly these were hostile hostile vessels looking to you know commit piracy but my thing is how is that legal you know that's you know judge jury and executioner right then and there i'm wondering you know and i love it if 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 you know anything to keep crime from happening at sea and anything to keep pirates from being able to carry out successful attacks i'm fine with it i have no sympathy for them you know i i really don't say what you want about that i don't but i'm just wondering what if they're like a lost ship what if they don't have bad intentions what if you know are you able to just spray them with machine gun fire and what happens? Like, what what happens if it is a mistake? Who is the jurisdiction that's going to prosecute? You know, where's the system of checks and balances for that? Is is what I would wonder. Uh, all right, so we all know. Moving on, more inside secrets of cruise ships. We all know. I'm just going through my list here. They all have a seven day work week. We know that you are working your ass off, but you're working for seven days. You do get time off where you can go to shore, uh, but you're pretty much working every day, and that's just for regular crew. Entertainers, there's a lot of, you know, you get canceled shows a lot if you're an entertainer. You're still getting paid and stuff like that, but you you get time off the ship, but you're pretty much on call seven days a week. Also, everyone is trained. Everyone on that ship is trained for two jobs. You have your onboard entertainment, if you will, function, and then you have your emergency function. If the ship is in distress, if there is a problem, if there has to be a abandoned ship type of a situation or any issue fire everybody does have a second duty that they're trained for to you know react in the event of of an emergency and you'll see when you get on the ship in the beginning you'll see a lot of the communicators that are you know that are directing you to uh, you know, the, the muster station and the muster drill, a lot of them are the entertainment staff. And the reason for that is because the entertainers are usually the best communicators. So that's their usual function. And they play a very, very role. And it's not whatsoever. You see that talented young lady or you see that talented guy on stage singing, dancing. They are trained to save lives as well. Okay, 
so moving on. Cruise ships, as we know, already pay their employees very minimally as far as the base wage goes. They rely heavily on tips and bonuses, and you would be absolutely surprised to find out actually how much your comments affect the bonuses. So if you had a great experience on a particular ship with a particular crew member, very, very, very important. Do not keep it a secret. Make sure that you fill out those comment cards. Make sure you do those surveys. Let them know uh, how much you appreciated on board, what they did for you. It's the least you can do because, the, like I said, the base rate for these people is not a lot, and you will absolutely have a big effect on how much money they get because aside from just the tips, which, like I said, I encourage tip early, often, and as much as possible, but beyond the tips, make sure you give positive feedback because that does affect their pay as well. Uh, another thing that a lot of times you don't hear. You'll hear some PA system stuff. You'll hear some codes, announcements, and you won't know what they what they mean. You're not supposed to know what they mean. But here is some of those uh, codes decoded, if you will. If you hear them saying Adam over the PA system, that means there's a child missing. If you hear Alpha, that is a medical emergency. Somebody's uh, in need of some uh, you know, medical care. If you hear Oscar or Mr. Mob, Oscar or Mr. Mob, that's a problem. That means uh, a guy uh, is overboard or a woman is overboard. The technical term is man overboard. M-O-B stands for man overboard, so Oscar or Mob. If you hear the word Bravo, that's a problem. That's a fire. If you hear Delta, that is damage to any part of the ship. If you hear Echo, Echo is a possible collision. Now, that's either with land, a rock, or, you know, Port anywhere in port, a dock or anything, or another vessel. Echo is a collision. And uh, vomit is either a code three or a protein spill. And it is right about now that I'm realizing I'm shouting these codes to you for no reason. So let me get back to a normal voice. All right, so let's talk segregation. There is a culture on cruise ships that takes on sort of a, they call it a mafia feel. It's not like a criminal enterprise for profit type of mafia, but in terms of like a society at sea. It sort of emulates how it is on land, right? I know we're in a world where you're supposed to be politically correct and all that stuff, but I'm here to tell you facts are facts. Many people who own diners are Greek. Many nail salon employees are Korean. And if you go to a new new stand in New York City, there will likely be an Indian owner. It's just how it is. Lots of Irish and Italian people end up in either uh, firefighting or law enforcement. Not making this up. You're not supposed to say that stuff. And nowadays, it's 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 really not arguable, though. So the same thing ends up happening on cruise ships. Since most cruise ships are a melting pot of ethnicities, most of the duties of a below-deck society get distributed by nationalities. So whatever nationality dominated a particular area of the ship, they would sometimes, and sometimes illegally, produce whatever what was needed. For example, carnival employees, there are a lot of Filipino bartenders. If the crew bar does close at around one or two, certain members of the quote-unquote Filipino mafia could be relied upon to, let's just say, keep the party going much later than that. On a particular ship, either by design or by choice, uh, there was a galley that would be uh, dominated by a lot of people from India. This was just maybe by chance, but the Indian mafia would be able to get food for parties for late night, you know, whatever, or the crew was going to get together. They would just for lack of better terms, steal food and bring the food, you know, to whatever, where it was going on with the crew. All right, moving on again, again, we haven't necessarily been speaking about the most positive aspects of cruising, but we're talking about secrets and we're talking about things that they don't talk about 
on cruises. And for all the fun and enjoyment we have from cruising, it's just important, like I said, to know the you know just the part of parts of cruising that you need to be aware of. Uh, for instance, your vacation is not carefree. I don't mean for this to be preachy. I'm not knocking cruising, and I've talked about this before on the show, but we do need to remain aware of it at all times for a couple of reasons. A, because we're all cruisers. We cruise a lot. So the more times you do anything, the chances of things happening also increase. So what else should increase? Your awareness. Don't get bit by the law of averages. There is a very, very minimal chance that anything awful will happen at sea. But the problem is, is that when it does, and that's a big if word, the consequences can be very, very bad. I think a cruise vacation is one of the safest, most affordable, most enjoyable getaways you can possibly take. It's just important to remember that if something that should go wrong, if a disaster strikes while you are away on a cruise, you will need to keep in mind that the cruise line's number one priority will not be you. It will be its own risk management and liability management. So coincidentally, after I did most of the notes, I took a lo- I took another look, as I often do, to see if there's any other news stories that came up. And while I'm talking about liability and things that can go wrong at sea, I did see a story uh, about you know just things that can happen. And it was like not necessarily something that happened recently. It was more of like an expose of just an awareness, keep in mind type thing. That yeah, that, and I feel weird bringing this up because again, it's not entertaining and it's not fun to talk about. But you know, there was an incident where a 16 year old girl went to this spa and she had worked out all week and you know they were retaking some measurements and she went back to the room and complained to her mother in tears that she felt that there's some inappropriate things went on and uh, again I don't want to necessarily dwell on a lot of that stuff but what happened was is that nothing happened you know they they the FBI got involved there was an investigation and because of, you know, you're at sea, because of jurisdictions, because where you are, you know, nothing did come of it. Don't make mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the cruise line doesn't care about your safety. I'm not saying that they won't do everything and everything possible to keep you safe. They say it and they mean it. Safety first. They fully realize that if the guests don't feel safe on their ship, their entire business model is broken and it's dead in the water, no morbid pun intended. But, however, there if there is a breakdown... And something does happen to you or a loved one, like I said, make no mistake, the first priority of the cruise line will be to mitigate its liability. And ships are flagged, like we talked about before, from various governments and jurisdictions across the world for many reasons. And none of them are bigger than to profit by exempting themselves from legally binding nations like ours. Whether it's being able to pay employees less, whether it's being able to tell investigators to take a hike, they know the law of their respective flags. They have plenty of lawyers and they use it and all of its loopholes to its fiscal advantage. I want to keep things light, so I'm not going to start listing examples of this, but the most notable one was Disney. An example of some sort of cover-up that did happen. A, A crew member allegedly committed a heinous crime. Supposedly, they were not as cooperative as the family of the victim would have liked them to be. And you can search that story off on your own if you want to know about it, but... You know what they say about Disney. I'm not I'm not messing around with Disney too much. They <laughs> I think they might be part of some big new world order thing. I think they like, you know, Disney is like has this Disney's out there and it's common knowledge that Disney has a lot of power. And uh, that's the uh, what I don't want to get into a situation is I get a knock on my door. It's Donald Duck. He's got a nine millimeter and a shovel. And uh, 
I just don't need that in my life, so I'm going to shut up about Disney now. But just, like I said, be aware. All right, guys, so that's pretty much it as far as discussing the main topic, which was Cruise Line Secrets at Sea. Some of them were funny, some of them were raunchy, and some of them were downright unpleasant and concerning. And this is what we told you guys. The purpose of this show is to entertain you, but it's also as much as possible here to inform you. And again, I never promised anybody that I was going to be like any of the other shows. So some of the topics and the subject matter that we will cover, again, it's going to run the whole gamut. Hopefully you were entertained. Hopefully you were informed. And hopefully we connected a little bit more. So let's get into the emails. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we rely on your emails. Please don't hesitate to email me, Tommy, at alwaysbebooked.com with some comments, suggestions. And we discussed a lot in this particular episode, so I'd love to hear your feedback. You know, anybody who has worked on a cruise ship before, got any more juice to tell us, let us know. Or if there's some stuff I got wrong, let me know as well. But, all right, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Please keep the emails coming. Here we go. Let's start it off. Trey H. Hey, Tommy. 18-year-old listener who's been on four cruises, Sapphire Princess, Golden Princess, Oceana Insignia, and the Oceana Riviera. Wow. Okay. Trey, you got quite a sophisticated cruise resume right there. I just wanted to let you know you do a fantastic job on your podcast. Just wondering if you're going to do any more podcasts about luxury and ultra-lux cruises, and if you want any info regarding children on cruises and or info on the Ultra Lux Light Line, that is Oceana, don't hesitate to shoot me an email. Thanks again for the awesome podcast. Keep it up. Trey, thank you very much. That's a good question. So Trey's 18 years old, and he's been on some quite a few really, really nice ships. And uh, again, I have not. You know, the thing is, I haven't. I'm not saying I won't. What I try to do is, you know, instead of trying to be so many things to so many people, what I try to do is get as much information and kind of get myself the much, as much expertise I can about the big three and kind of the Caribbean because those are the most popular cruise lines and that is the most popular cruise destination to this point. I definitely, as you know, I've had, I've have delved in other areas and I don't, I, I will never rule it out. You know, people, if, if I get some more emails of people who want, who want me to dive more into the ultra lux and the uh, luxury light line uh, lines, I will definitely do so. But at this point, I think most of the traffic, most of the inquiries have been through the big about the big three. Some people say, you know what, you should delve into Los Angeles and the West Coast market a little bit more, a little bit more to the Mediterranean. And I eventually might do that. I probably will likely do that. But at this point, uh, no. And then also the other part of your email, yeah, uh, anything you uh, – I actually might reach out to you because there are some people who want to know more about cruising for kids and you being 18 years old and kind of just coming out of that probably – you know, most of your cruising was probably as a kid and you'd probably be a very, very – now as a as regular – pretty much an adult now, you'd probably be a good authority on letting people know what it's like to cruise, especially on those particular lines as a kid. So, Trey, thank you so much for the email. You will hear some ultra luck stuff coming up. Maybe not in the next couple of episodes, but somewhere down the line, definitely. Okay, next one is from Andrea or Andrea. Those two names just spelt exactly the same, Andrea and Andrea. So I forg- I apologize. I'm going to guess it's Andrea because that is probably the more common one. All right, here we go. <clears throat> hey, Tommy. I live in Orlando and found your podcast after hearing your interview on another podcast. I love your podcast. Your accent is attention-grabbing. 
Andrea, how you doing? I am, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really try to temper my accent. I don't know what you guys feel about the accent, but the accent on this podcast is uh, me trying to temper my New York accent. So hopefully I'm somewhat successful, but she goes on. I am from Texas originally, and I love, love, love your personal stories coupled with that Yankee accent. I can imagine someone pushing the piano into the casino. Oh, okay. Andrea is alluding to my story. One night things got a little crazy, and I pushed a piano from the uh, piano bar into the casino, or at least attempted to. Got 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 fairly far, but then they shut me down. And then she goes on. Attention grabbing and awesome. Next paragraph. Anyway, I find your podcast entertaining, but honestly, the ship reviews and port reviews, while interesting, lack a little of the appeal of your other stuff. I am so interested when you are able to put in your personal experience and stories, but the facts are a little dry. I know that these stories are super important and I'm interested in them, but just letting you know, your personal experiences are so much better. Just saying. Please don't stop these ship and port reviews because I really do need the info. But maybe you can bring out your creative powers uh, to find a little more a little more interesting way to do it. Parentheses, as you say, you cannot improve if you don't get some feedback. I love your podcast, but trying to be constructive. I am not a super experienced cruiser. I have six Disney cruises, five Royal Caribbean, and one Norwegian cruise. I have kids, so my experience is vastly different from yours, but I love hearing about your cruise experiences and antics. Keep it up, Andrea Orlando, Florida. So, Andrea, what's up, neighbor? How are you? you you're you're right. You're right on in what you're saying. Your criticism is 100%, and to be honest with you, it is. I've known that dilemma. It's very, very difficult when you're trying to get a bunch of information out there and you're trying to be as informative as possible because the purpose of those port profiles and those ship profiles are to supposed to be just reference points. So that's why I was trying to do the two a week for a while because if you guys aren't going there and you don't necessarily care – you know what? Just listen to the regular podcast and save the port profiles and the ship profiles for when you're actually going and you need the information. Uh, I would. I would like to put a lot of the personal information and the funny stuff into the port profiles and stuff like that. It's a little difficult. You know what I mean? It's. It's. I'm trying to get information out to you. And again, that is a dilemma. And I'm not – you touched on something that I've thought about a lot. And it is a little difficult and it is a little bit – of a dilemma that I do have. And it's something I do have to work on. And that was the other thing too. I was like, all right, so what should I do? Should I put more personality into the poor profiles? Well, when I was kind of doing the thing where I wanted to make videos out of them, I didn't want to do that because then, you know, where does the video go? What is the slideshow going to land on when I'm telling some annoying story about me, you know, almost falling off the ship at one point. So that is a dilemma. And we haven't done a pro profile or a ship profile in a while. And We've also kind of found out that the videos with my editing expertise has been have taken half a day or a full day in some cases. So that might not be the most uh, best use of time or most efficient way to kind of do it. So what you're saying is right. I got to give that some thought. And what I probably will end up doing is when I do the ports, I'll probably just try to interject a little bit more, a little of both, probably hedge my bet there. I'll probably try to be a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more personality, a little more zing to those, but also 
do them in conjunction with a regular shell so you don't have to choose. If you really don't think there's enough pizzazz on the port profiles, you can skip it until, oh, well, one day you find yourself you're going to Nassau. So you can, and in that regard, you won't be so sensitive and looking for the personality. You'll really be using it for a reference. So, Andrew, I really, you know what? It tells me you're a great listener because you really touched on something that I have been struggling with as well. And I do appreciate the feedback and it, this type of email, exactly the type of email that I am looking for as well. All right. So moving on, we had a follow-up from Christina. Christina emailed last week, and if you listen to the show, uh, the email to me, maybe I am just wasn't understanding it properly, but it was in a few different directions, so I wasn't 100% getting where she was going with it. So, And I said that on the show, and she followed up. So she said, my daughter, and she acknowledge that and this and that so I skipped to what the actual questions were my daughter will be almost three I'd love to take her to Magic Kingdom but if it's not too much of a hassle or it doesn't work out I'm okay with that too do you think it's a good idea or is it too ambitious for a pre-cruise day no I do not I would say if you're thinking about taking your daughter to Magic Kingdom 100% do it how often are you in that area kids love Disney a lot of adults love Disney and honestly do it if you have the means and it's uh, in the area i wouldn't look at it as like a uh, too much too ambitious you know running around it's not a tough drive from uh Kissimmee to the cruise port i would say definitely do it all right so moving on her other question my question about things to do and places to eat forget about the budget aspect what would you recommend as much as dues while in orlando you pretty much covered it and answered it in the podcast i value experience and quality over budget especially on vacation what i really want was that we weren't interested in fine dining and five-star luxury resorts. Uh, in Orlando, some of the go-tos, there's a lot to do. There's go-karts all over Orlando. They're fun as hell. Uh, there's Ripley's Believe It or Not on iDrive. I would definitely recommend checking that out. There's a ton of stuff to do on iDrive, actually, just up and down iDrive. There's a place called Whirly Dome where you're basically playing bumper cars and basketball at the same time. Uh, <laughs> It just sounds like this guy who invented this sport just got ended up with just, uh, you know, went to storage wars and ended up with bump, a bunch of bumper cars and basketballs. And so he just invented this game, but it ended up being very, very popular. But there's tons of, I don't know if you guys are into that. Uh, have you guys, one of my favorite things to do is watch internet videos of the uh, slingshot ride. Never screw you if you think you're getting me on one of those slingshots but there's this place on iDrive that's a little bit north of what's called Sand Lake Boulevard and you'll see it's got a bumper no it's got two sets of go-karts it's got the slingshot it's got that thing where it shoots you up in the air and swings you around where you're just kind of like hanging on by like whatever and you're just in a swing like a tilt-a-whirl or whatever it's called I don't know what it's called but it's a mini amusement park there's a place called uh, the Fun Depot where it's got like a uh, dumbed down, I don't want to say dumbed down, but it's not like, you know, a real Six Flags amusement park, but if you're looking to get in and out quick and you're on a budget and you're afraid of like the really, really big scary rides, that's an option too. As far as dining, iDrive, it is just, iDrive is just chain restaurant heaven, and I don't say that in a bad way. These are like the best of the best. You got your Fago de Chows, you got your, um, you know, you have, you can eat for whatever you want. You could eat Outback Steakhouse, you could eat, uh, you know, the Ale House, you can have Carabas, you can have, uh, you know, just endless, endless options. Uh, you have Universal City Walk, which, like I said, all you got to do is pay for parking. You don't have to pay to get into the amusement park part of it, but Universal City Walk is just a really, it's a pleasant place to be. Oh, a restaurant that I 100% recommend if you're in the Orlando area. It is the Toothsome Chocolate Factory, I believe it. Yeah, the Toothsome Chocolate Emporium 
and Savory Feast Kitchen. It is a legitimate restaurant, not fine dining, but good, good quality. Uh, two levels, and uh, it's just themed out with chocolate. They have items like like, like uh, pork belly sliders garnished with uh, uh, bacon, uh, chocolate bacon. They have uh, uh, wings tossed in a chocolate coffee sauce. They have a chocolate stout drink. Everything is having to do with chocolate. It's delicious. I would definitely recommend going there. That is in Universal City Walk. They have a really cool karaoke bar. I mentioned this stuff last week, so I'm not going to go over it again, but you get the idea. Uh, email me again if I if I didn't answer anything, and uh, I'll, if I come up with anything else, I'll shoot you back another email. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Christina, really, really, really appreciate that. Also, <clears throat> uh, could you possibly do a uh, segment on cruising with children like if you take kids that aren't yours what documentation do you need especially if they are little like eight and five years old is there a form letter you have to fill out and need to be notarized do you know thank you you're great <laughs> thank you i don't know if i'm great or not but i appreciate the uh, sentiment and uh, i love when uh emailers email their own question uh, answer their own questions this is from tracy by the way so tracy thanks for the email some do some don't as far as what they require as far as notarized letters uh i would say get it just be on the safe side and what you're also probably going to want to do is get permission from the parents or whoever the guardian is that you are allowed to make medical decisions for the children as well so if something bad happens you're able to uh i guess make the call you know you, you You got to prove that you know these kids, obviously, and you will have the notarized uh, letter and definitely make that happen. But also let it stipulate that you are able and empowered to make medical decisions for the kid if they end up in, you know, needing medical attention. So that's uh, definitely something you want to do your due diligence about, do some more research on it, and uh, good luck on your cruise. Thank you guys so much for the emails. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it more than you know. Interesting topic this week. I'm interested to hear the emails and the feedback and stuff like that. Next week, we'll probably get back to some lighter and more fun cruise topics, maybe a little less risque. Uh, Regular show. You know what I'm saying? Again, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Email me, Tommy, at alwaysbebooked.com. And uh, enjoy yourselves, guys. Talk to you next time. There's a place where the boat leaves from and takes away all of your big problems. You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from. Take one part sand, one part sea, and one part shade of a nine on tree. And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot. And I know this is the place for me. Get away to where the boat leaves from and takes away. I love your big problems. You could worry, you could drop them in the blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves. Jimmy.